Our service is going to be a little bit different this morning, and I wanted to share with you kind of the why and also um, what you can expect. Um, but, uh, but this is something, just, just so you know, it's, it's talked about in church circles, that this Sunday, the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, it sort of is this lost Sunday. Um, it's, it's typically one of the least attended Sundays of the year, so congratulations <laughs> to all of you for being here. Um, and you know, it's understandable. It's sort of, it's between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of people are traveling and then other people are just sort of out of sync or tired from what's just happened. Um, and, and so as we, we as a service planning team, as we looked ahead, we said, all right, well, w- what is a way that we can use this unique time? Because the, the, the type of people that usually do show up for this Sunday um, are the people that are just more invested in the church community saying, all right, th- this isn't just a church that I attend on occasion. This is my church family. And so we thought, well, well, let's have a time where we really get to experience life as a church family. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is that after I spend some time talking through some scripture, we're going to have a time where we're going to invite any of you who have something to share with the church family to come up to the front. Um, and, and just to kind of prepare your thoughts, because I think God, God will move in some of you to do this, you can think of it sort of in two categories of what you might be called to share. And the first part is, um, is something over this past year, some way that you've seen God at work, some way that you've seen him at work in your own life, bringing healing physically or spiritually or relationally, or some way that you've seen him at work and answered prayers with your family or with your surroundings or ways that you've stepped out in faith and seen God be faithful when you did that. Um, just think of something that God might use to build up your brothers and sisters through that. So, so that's one category of something you might share. And then the other category is it may just be that God has put some scripture on your heart or he's put some sort of message that he's given you a word to share with your church family. So maybe there's been something that you've been reflecting on, some truth about God or something that he's calling us to do. Um, and just to be clear, what we're not looking for is a bunch of people to get up and say, I have this great idea for a new ministry that we should do. If, if you have an idea for that, come talk to me later. I'm, I'm totally willing to hear. But, but it's not like a brainstorming time, but it's just more a time to say if, if there's a scripture that's been on your heart and you say, you know what, I, I think that this isn't just for me. I think this is for the church family as well. That might be something else that God calls you to share as a word to share with the church family. Um, and already several times I've, I've used this term, kind of church family. And, and that's because when we think about what we are as the church, it can be so easy in the United States to start to view ourselves sort of as, as just a place that you come and you experience. And there's leadership and there's a product that's put out and we consume that product. And we try to do something good with the product. And so, you know, maybe it's, you know, those of us who are leaders, the product that we give is Bible teaching and, you know, childcare for your kids and some good services to help you grow. And in exchange, you give a little bit financially and you serve every once in a while as a volunteer. And that's sort of the exchange that we have. And that's not at all the biblical idea of the church. The biblical idea of the church is that we are the body of Christ. We are the household of the living God. And part of what we experience when we're gathered and why it's so powerful for us to gather on Sunday mornings like this is because we experience something that is a contrast of what we experience in the world all the rest of our week. And and, uh, and when I say that, I don't mean to say that the rest of the week we're not thinking about God, but when we come together as a church, we experience a different reality. I was trying to think of an illustration of this, and and the thing that came to mind was the whole idea of having a foreign embassy in a different nation. 
And you just think, if you're familiar with this, that, that's a weird concept. That you could be in a foreign nation, you could be over in Egypt, and the rulers of Egypt are ruling that land. And the laws of Egypt are the laws of that land, and the culture of Egypt is the culture of that land. But when you step into the U.S. embassy, you are on U.S. territory. And the president is the president over that territory. And the laws of the U.S. are the laws over that territory, just right there. And what it would be like to live there in Egypt, and most of your time you're living in Egyptian culture, but when you step into that embassy, you're stepping back into American culture. And, and maybe by way of illustration, we could just look at it and say, all right, when we live most of our lives and, and I'll explain what I mean by this, but, but we live most of our lives in sort of foreign, or you could even say enemy territory. And I want to be very careful. When I say enemy territory, I don't mean that people who aren't Christians are the enemy. They are not the enemy. We have an enemy and he is not flesh and blood. He is the devil. The people out there who are not Christians are not your enemy. They're people that God loves dearly. But Jesus himself re referred to the devil as the ruler of this world. And the New Testament authors refer to him that way. So when we are out in the world, we are experiencing a territory that's run by the enemy. And so the things that are the main pursuits of the world are not the same things that are the pursuits that were given in scripture. So we're living in that world most of the time and we're trying to be faithful to God and be faithful to our true allegiance to Jesus during that time. But when we step into the church, the gathered church on Sunday, one of the things that we're meant to experience is this is a place where Jesus is treated as Lord. Out there, we, we don't expect that. It should happen, but we don't expect that. But here we step into a place where Jesus is treated as Lord. One day, everybody will treat Jesus as Lord. But today within the church, we treat Jesus as Lord. And today within the church, we honor and worship the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we already sang to him. We honor him. We recognize that all other pursuits and all other sort of affections that we give ourselves to, those are idols, those are false gods, those let us down. We worship the one true God. And part of the reality that we also experience when we gather is that we are the people of God and we are brothers and sisters with one another. And God, through Jesus, has broken down the barriers. So we're living in a culture right now that sort of has this obsession with dividing us into different groups and into different subgroups, whether it's by race or by political affiliation or by gender or by age or, or anything else that we can divide ourselves up by. But when we come together as the church, we are the gathered people of God and we are brothers and sisters regardless of any of those other things. The wall has been broken down. And that also means that I'm, I'm sure for each of us, there's people in this room who are believers who you don't know, who you haven't met yet. And, and God willing, you will as time goes by. But you haven't met that person, but you will spend eternity with that person. And you have more in common with that person than the relative that you know really well who doesn't follow Jesus. Because the foundational thing that's true of both of you is the same. You are brought into the family of God through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do some sharing from the scriptures. And, and what I wanted to share about before we have our time of, of kind of open microphone sharing is about the whole idea of newness and the newness that God brings. Because we know just tomorrow's New Year's Eve, next day's New Year's Day. Some of you probably are thinking a lot about that. Some of you don't care at all. 
But, but some of you are thinking about it and you're making resolutions, um, which I know some of you kind of scoff at resolutions, which, which that's fine. For me, I just always think anytime there's an opportunity for evaluation of what God might be calling you to do and how he might be calling you to order your life, that's a good time. So if that happens in New Year's, that's a good time to think about that. And so some of you might be reflecting on that. And so as we think about the new year, let's spend some time talking about the newness that God brings. And I want to do that by going through a beautiful passage right towards the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to have it up here on the screen as, a, as I kind of read through it gradually so you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. I'm going to read Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5. And I'll read through gradually so we can get what's going on. But Revelation is a book where the Apostle John is given a vision of what's to come. And so he's seen all kinds of elements of judgment and suffering that are to come. But Jesus, in the end, will be treated as Lord. And we get to 21, and it's bringing a culmination to all of this. And so in verse 1, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Um, first of all, just real quick, some of you are like, no longer any sea, that's terrible news. No longer bodies of water. And, and I'll just say, it's, it's not for sure, this is a debated point. I, I'm not certain that that's meant to be taken as a literal description of the new earth. Um, and part of this is because in Revelation, Revelation is full of symbolism. And one of the symbols is that the beast, one of the enemies of God, the beast comes out of the sea. So when he says that there's no longer any sea, what he might be saying is the source of evil in the world will be cut off. There's going to be something new here. But don't miss the main point. He goes going back to the beginning of verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We're studying through the book of Genesis right now as a church. Next week, we'll be back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created... Yeah, the heavens and the earth, or heaven and earth. And now we have the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. God is doing something new. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And uh, just, just yesterday, Karina and I got to go to a wedding and, you know, weddings are just beautiful where you experience the bride and the groom coming together and the marriage that's to come after that. Uh, and part of what we've been reflecting on during the Advent season as we've celebrated the birth of Jesus is that we've celebrated the idea that Jesus was born of a virgin. And when you read that part of the story, Jesus was born of a virgin who was pledged to be married. And part of the point that, that the different speakers made throughout the series was that this engagement was not like how we think of engagements now, when Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. We hear about engagements breaking off all the time. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's not something that we treat as a huge deal. It was a big deal to break off an engagement in the first century. You needed to actually get a divorce to break off the engagement. So that promise was binding. And sometimes we, we talk about ourselves because of, of this passage and other passages in the New Testament. We say, right, we as believers, we are the bride of Christ. And that's true. We are the bride of Christ. He is our groom. He is the one that's going to take care of us. He's the one that's going to cleanse us. He's our groom. We are the bride. But if we're really going to take the analogy forward, how the New Testament talks about it, we are the engaged bride. The wedding is still to come, but the promise is sure. Because this isn't a flippant engagement. And this passage is talking about the actual wedding 
to come one day. The culmination, things have come together, which flows out more in verse 3. Verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the dwelling place, God's dwelling place, is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. This is the great amen at the end of the whole Bible. You start with man and God dwelling together. You have the fall and all of the brokenness that comes. Then you have a hint of the future when Jesus shows up and John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among them. Jesus is God with us and then we are going to have the time that heaven and earth come together in the end and God dwells with man. And just as a, a by the way in this, we, we contend, especially in, in North American churches, we can tend to talk a lot about um, we die and we go to heaven. Now, that's sort of the, the end of the story. We die and we go to heaven. Um, now, now, just to be clear, if you're a Christian and you die, you do go to heaven. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is not God takes us away to where he is. The end of the story is that God comes down to where we are. The dwelling place of God is now with men. God comes to earth to rule. Jesus returns to take his throne. And then we get probably the most famous verse in this part. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And, you know, I've already mentioned that, that in, a, in a few minutes we're going to have a time of sharing. Um, we got to do this first service, and it was, it was a really powerful, beautiful time. And, and I didn't know what all was going to be shared or what themes were going to come through. But one of the themes that came through in the different men and women who got up to share was the theme of God walking with them and giving them hope and healing during times of grief and suffering, during times of mourning. So we had a couple people share about how in, in the past year or so they'd lost their spouse and were dealing with the deep grief of that. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because all of those things are part of the old order. All of those things will be part of the past. We will move on from the grief that we've experienced. And some of you, if you think back in the past year, that's part of your story of this past year. That you dealt with the loss of someone you loved, or you dealt with a, the loss of health in some really significant way, or there was an estranged relationship and you're dealing with the grief of that, or you lost the ability to work, or you lost a job, or you lost a house. There's some kind of loss. There will be a day that comes when there will be no more grief over loss. And then finally, verse 5 says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. I am making everything new. I am making all things new. This is the great hope that we have as we look to the future because right now we are living in a time where there's mourning and pain and death and chaos and violence and prisons and, and all kinds of horrific things. But the promise from God is, I am making all things new. I am making everything new. And it's not going to be done by any president. It's not going to be done by any world leader or any great policy change. It's going to be done through the return of the Lord Jesus Christ one day. I'm making everything new. I'm making all things new. 
But, but I wanted to take a pause before even going into this because this is great and this is important that we look to the future and we say, all right, there will come a day. We're, we're frustrated over how the world is right now, but there will come a day that it's fixed. But what I want us to remember is that it's not simply in the future that God is making all things new. It's also in the present. In fact, in many ways, it began in what we just celebrated at Christmas, and that's that if we're believers in Jesus, we were made new when Christ arrived. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the revealed Son of God, we were made new. And in four weeks, we're going to have Go Team Sunday which we do every January, and it's a great Sunday where we look at what God is calling us to do as far as reaching the nations and being part of spreading the gospel to the nations. And part of the passage that we're going to cover is this verse up here. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. And sometimes we look at that and we're like, it doesn't feel like I'm a totally new creation. I'm still in the battle with sin and I'm still frustrated and I still get old and I have aches and pains. I don't feel like a new creation. But what you've got right now is you've got a foretaste. You've got the first fruits. You've got the first glimpse of that newness that one day will be brought to fruition because right now you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And that means that newness has come. That means that you were once an enemy of God and now you're brought in as a son or as a daughter. You once were condemned because of your sin and now you're completely wiped clean and forgiven. You once were far off But now you've been brought near because of what Jesus has done. You once were on your own as a slave to sin, but now you're no longer a slave to sin because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And I already mentioned this, but part of what we're going to do today is just to look back, to say, where have we been and what has God been doing during that time? And as you think back to the last year, some of you in this room Part of your story may be that it it was during this last year, it was during 2018 that you came to faith in Jesus Christ and you experienced the new creation. You experienced new life. You experienced forgiveness and adoption. You experienced being part of the body of Christ. You've experienced that newness. And for others of us, we've experienced that newness because God has answered prayers. He's delivered us from different sins that we thought would always own us. He, He did things in us to embolden us to do things that were just too terrifying for us in the first place. God is bringing newness into our lives. And as we look back, it's important for us not to forget what he's done so that we can trust him for the future. But also, just as we look back and say, we were made new when Christ arrived, we also look forward to the fact that in the future, we will be made new when Christ returns. And if right now you're sort of aching because you're frustrated over the fact that you still sometimes give in to sin and that you still say things that you regret and that you still chicken out at times where you should be courageous, the time is coming when all things will be made new. And just as we read about at the return of Jesus, we have the promise from God, I am making everything new. We can look back and see the newness that God has brought in us and around us. And we can look ahead and we can anticipate that that newness will keep coming and one day it will come to an apex. One day it will come to a culmination because Jesus will return and wipe away every tear. And so so 
during this time, here, here's what I want to invite you to do. I'm, I'm going to actually just set this down on the ground to give a little bit more space up here. And I've got a microphone that I'm going to hold. And so we've got just this little platform down here. We've got a little step that will help you get up here. Um, and what we're going to do is during this time, I'm just going to stand up here holding the microphone. Anybody who wants to come up and share, I'll hand you the microphone so you can share with your church family. And I'll just stand to the side so that you can take it for a moment. But this is a time where we as the people of God get to share with one another, get to build one another up and see how God wants us to reflect back on what he's already done during this past year and look ahead to what he's calling us to do as a church family. So if you have something that you would like to share that you feel like God is leading you to share with your church family, just go ahead and stand up and start coming to the front. That's great. Well, if Patty go first and then Richie can go ahead. I saw Dan's video about this yesterday, so I've had a little bit of time to think about how I wanted to share it. Um, My family got a Christmas surprise this year that we've waited 47 years to have happen. On December 26th, uh, my dad was missing in action in Vietnam, Laos, And he's been missing all these years. And on December 21st, my sister called me and the Department of Defense had been excavating his crash site and they have identified my dad's remains. So he was lost, but now he's found. And the good news was we know he didn't suffer in a POW camp. He wasn't tortured. He was killed almost instantly because they could tell that Red China had shot the right side of the plane and he was on the right side. And then they shot the left side and the plane went into a nosedive and went uh, down into the ground. And they had 6,000 pounds of cargo, which all went into the um, cockpit. So we know he died very quickly, which was a tremendous relief to my entire family. And I was kind of surprised by the grief that that triggered. It has been 47 years. And over the years, uh, and people have commented, uh, it's been on Facebook, and people have commented, how have you gone through this? You know, I can't imagine what you felt. And I was trying to think of the Bible passage that maybe I could share. And you know, the thing that I wanted to say is that the Bible is true. And it is trustworthy. And... The Psalm 37 came to mind that kind of encapsulated much of the scriptures that have sustained us over the years. So I'd just like to read uh, from Psalm 37, verse 3, starts with, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And that's what sustained us. Thank you so much, Patty. Um, 
Well, good morning. My name is Rich Shores, and 2018 has been, I won't say a year of victory, but boy, it sure feels like it. Um, my story goes way back beyond 2018, even into, <clears throat> excuse me, into 2017. And I'm not ashamed to admit, I struggle with anxiety. I, I struggle mightily with anxiety. And I'm also not ashamed to admit, I see a psychologist for it. There's something about a 21st century man that you're supposed to be able to stand up in everything and be able to take it and be stoic. Men, right now, I just, I just want to tell you, if you are struggling with anxiety or anything, do not be ashamed. Please do not be ashamed. Um, Pastor Dan and I, have, he's, he's been a mentor to me through this journey. But I want to tell you one thing for me, and here as we're about to embark on a new year that I committed to last January 1st, I took a journey and committed to the Lord that I would read the whole Bible over the year. And tomorrow I celebrate the victory of finishing it. And I am so excited, so stinking excited. And there is no irony in heaven, I know that. I'm finishing with Revelation, the very end of Revelation. And so we're reading 21 today, right? And I'm just like, Oh, awesome. I get a little bit of insight into what I'm going to be reading tomorrow. <laughs> but that's the other thing I would encourage you is if you are struggling somewhere, get into the word every single day. If you skip a day, if you skip two days, do not beat yourself up. That is, that's what the enemy wants to make you think is that you are failing. You are not failing if you miss a day. It just gives you a little bit more to read the next day, right? So anyway, I would encourage you for... Um, not being, not being afraid of seeking help when you need help and not being afraid of reading the Bible because he gives us our bread on a daily basis. I've been uh, focusing on manna lately, that manna spoils tomorrow, but it's good today. Yeah. If you take it for today, tomorrow will, it will be there for you again. So that would be my encouragement to all of you. Hey, good morning. My name is Ronnie Molyneux, and um, I'm always an emotional person when I get up and speak, even if I say prayers that I always get elected to do at a family gathering, so bear with me. Um, back in, on April 22nd of this year, my, my beautiful sister-in-law, and this is a happy story, so um, um, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and as you know, is what you hear when you tell someone that. Um, I, at the time, was reading a book recommended to me called The, Mir the Circle Maker by Mark Bertram. And um, I'll tell you what, that book, I would recommend it because it taught me how to, pray, to pray uh, circles, pray through things. Not just pray about them or pray for them, but pray through them and continue praying and having hope and faith. Um, <clears throat> and as my sister-in-law told me about this, I thought, okay, I got to go to the Bible. That's, that's the foundation. And I was doing a completely different Bible study, not in Ruth. And I opened my Bible to Ruth 311, and it said, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. And all I could hear in my head was, because every little thing's going to be all right. <laughs> so, 
So I wrote down the date, and I wrote down next to that scripture, I have one of those fun coloring Bibles, um, and I wrote down the date and my sister-in-law's name and that she was going to be healed. Well, through a series of, I don't care if you're a believer or non-believer, they were miracles, and God was guiding her to the right place. Um, they lived just at the first exit into Arizona, off the 10 freeway from California. Um, and so their medical attention in Blythe is not the best. So they went into the high desert, and she got diagnosed. Actually, at that time, it was with a gallbladder. They took out the gallbladder, and the next day she still experienced pain. Um, then they diagnosed her on April 22nd with pancreatic cancer. Um, fast forward to their, their, she's getting treatment, and her dad is prodding her and prodding her, and he is a firm believer, to get a second opinion. Um, and so she, they, they were going on a family vacation, coming down the mountain from visiting her dad, and they had a literal crossroads. They could go south to Dana Point to their destination for their vacation, or they could go right to either Hogue or UCI Orange Hospital. My sister-in-law didn't want to spoil the boys' vacation. They have two sons. Um, but she was in a lot of pain. So she said, Michael, we got go, to go north. So he was trying to get her to Hogue. They ended up at UCI Orange with the exact surgeon doctor that her dad had recommended. It was amazing. She, she called me crying because... My brother, <clears throat> who believes, but at one point, about three or four months before this, had said, I believe in Christ, but I'm not getting on my knees for anyone. Hmm. Well, you be careful what you say. And I told him that day. I said, you be careful, brother, because you know what's going to happen. God's going God's to call you on that. And so they, she called me and said, they told me it was inoperable, but this surgeon says... He does this on Fridays. Can we do it on August 17th? Which is my, me and my brother's mom's birthday. So, of course, that was another fun little thing that God threw in there. Um, two weeks later, she had the surgery. She got out of the surgery uh, four or five hours earlier than she was supposed to. God kept telling me, she'll be out by 5. She'll be out by 5 p.m. You know, started at 7.15. Um, my brother said, what are you, you're crazy. She's not be done until 9 or 10. They finished at 4.30. God is amazing. And through this whole thing, I had gone down two days before the surgery, and I found their prayer garden, their serenity garden, at the hospital there in Orange. And as I was praying, and again, this book, it said, go, where you, go pray. Go pray around it and through it. And I was praying, and my brother, who didn't know I was there, called me to tell me where the surgery was going to be the next day, or two days from there. And I looked up, and I was right in front of the building where my sister-in-law was going to have her surgery. It just continues to go, and I could go on for a long time. I've written it down. I sent it to Pastor Gary so that, because I said there's just too many details that God put into place to make her a miracle, and we call her MK. And my brother said, please don't do that, because she loves Michael Kors. She's going to want everything with those initials on it. Um, as I stand here today, 
my sister-in-law is cancer free. <clears throat> she went through, she went through chemo like a trooper. She went through, um, she's going to have, they told her five weeks of, of uh, radiation with a little bit of chemo in there. Well, I kept telling her, no, God's told me three or less, sister. She's, now they're telling her three. Um, God, I'm not, you know, I don't audibly hear God, but he will speak to you and show you. And if you read your Bible and stay in the word consistently, he will, he will always lead you on the path you need to go to. So I'm just, um, I can't wait to share again sometime what my sister-in-law is doing with her new lease on life. And by the way, my brother who said, I will never get on my knees for anyone. The day the surgeon on that said, two weeks before August 17th, said we can do this surgery. That night, they went to celebrate, went to a, a nice hotel in uh, Laguna Beach. They had a nice dinner, and as they walked into the hotel room, my brother said, we need to get on our knees and thank Christ. Amen. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Sabrina. <laughs> so in the year of 2018, God has really made LBF like my home. He's really pushed it. Um, so I want to start with, I started working with Life Kids, and that's because I procrastinated really bad on a homework assignment, and I needed volunteer hours. And so, <laughs> I was like, Laurie, like, uh, or Laurie, sorry, <laughs> um, I need volunteer hours, um, can I just work with the kids? And then she's like, yeah, sure. So I started working with the one and walking. And then I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. Uh, can I be permanent? And then um, now I, start, I started working with the four and five-year-olds. And um, they've really changed my heart. Like, I feel like sometimes they have more faith than I do. Um, for example, um, there's little Gracie. And she was just explaining the story of Adam and Eve. And I was just like, you're five. Like, what? And then there's Zane. Um, one day we were doing story time, and he was like, oh, I need something to say. I have something to say. And he was like, do you know, even in the dark, God is in your heart. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Again, you're five. <laughs> and you have more faith than I do. Because even when I'm in the dark, I'm like, God, like, why are you doing this to me? But he has his faith. And so, um, and then I started going to young adults, and I remember uh, driving, and I'm just like, these people are going to judge me. I still look at the table of contents to find, like, the books in the Bible. Like, <laughs> I hope they don't, like, judge me. Um, and I ended up going in. Kevin, if you can hear me, thank you. <laughs> Whenever I go, I'm always laughing and um I just feel so loved, and I feel like um, like my sin in my life is okay. Like, I'm going to be okay, and I have a fellowship. And so um, I just want to say if God has put something in your heart, just do it. Like, don't let the enemy get in your head. And just, just do it. Just go for it. And Because um, you might miss the story that God has written for you. And so, that's it. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Chelsea. Um, <laughs> um, we do that every week at our young adults group. <laughs> and every time we're like, we really wonder if the new people are going to think that it's like, you know, AA or something like that. But we do it anyway. Anyway, sorry, I got off, off topic. So um, 2018 has been awesome. Um, in February, I left my full-time position in children's ministry at another church um, with no idea what I was going to do next, no job lined up, um, and with debt up to here. Um, but God said it was time, so I quit. Um, in May, June, and July, um, I had to deal with removing a squatter from my home, which is not fun. Um, then when things finally started to settle down and I thought like everything was going to be fine, I was in a really bad car accident and I broke my tailbone and my foot and I was bedridden for about three months. And then when I thought that was it and I was going to be back on my feet, um, my best friend for about 11 years um, decided to walk away from Jesus and subsequently um, our friendship. But we were roommates so that made things real fun. Um, in the beginning of November, um, I thought I was back, going to be back on my feet and still had this crippling debt and it just felt like everything um, was falling apart. And then I kid you not, I believe that Jesus said to me, watch what's going to happen next. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't see it. Like, I don't see how it could get better. Well, um, I received a, a really hefty um, settlement from my car accident that covered every ounce of debt, my car payment, all my debt, everything that I've ever had in my life. Um, and it allowed me to be like financially stable enough to where I could move out and walk away from my lease um, at the place that I was living at without like any repercussions. Um, I have a job I love, a solid support system, and a deeper connection with God than I ever have before. Um, if at any point in this past year someone would have told me that this is how this year is going to end, I would have laughed in their face. But that's the beauty of God. He redeems and he saves. His glory is most evident in my brokenness. So there are days when I cry and when I weep, um, but I press on because I'm redeemed. And that's God's favorite story to tell. And like Sabrina was saying, that sometimes when uh, God tells us to do something and we don't want to, those are the best moments to do them because God is working something out in each one of us. So that's it. Thanks, Jesse. All right, I'm a, I'm a little nervous here, man. You got right. to be with me. You want me to hang with you? Yeah, hang All right, with me. It. Hang with me. If I'm uncomfortable, I got to make you uncomfortable too. So right. I'm going to invade your space. Hey, we're brothers. Yes, that's yes, right. yes, we are. Um, so New Year's Day, this coming New Year's Day, will be a four-year anniversary that I left Colorado with my family, left my house, my new career that I just started, uh, left my truck. It's almost like a country song, you know? <laughs> um, I did that all in the name of, of my wife, the, the person I built my life around, the one I, I focused everything on, all my actions, everything I did and didn't do, just for her. And uh, the following March, we, we came to this church. Um, 
and, and got involved and I began to get a new, a new fire within me with the, the teaching of Dan and Gary and everyone else here. And uh, it, was, it was great to get involved and, and just be a part of a church where I see so many friendly faces and everyone seemed genuinely happy to be here. Uh, something that I grew up with, a small church, and this was a little more daunting because it's a bit bigger. <laughs> um, so over the next year, get more comfortable with what's going on here, and uh, after a year of attending church here, my, uh, my life that I had built was tossed upside down, and my wife revealed that she was having an affair, and that she didn't want to stop. So was turned upside down. Was everything that I focused was around her. But I needed to find a new focus. And I don't remember what the message was that Sunday. I don't remember who was teaching. But I do remember the call of going out to the Connection Center. And that's where um, I went up to a complete stranger at the time and cried my heart out and met Mike Jungman. One of uh, so many people here that, that uh, talk with truth all wrapped up in love. And uh, through his encouragement, I reached out to the church just, just for a prayer request uh, about what was, I, what was I doing? You know, I, I don't know where I go from here. I don't know if my wife would come back to me. I don't know what was going to happen. I just needed some help. And that's when I ran to uh, or met Mike Cloud. Mike Cloud, <laughs> it's an interesting guy. He, he came down on me with a heavy hammer of truth. <laughs> a little, little bow of love attached to that. <laughs> but it was, it was a heavy hammer. And he got me to, to reevaluate my focus. Shouldn't have been my wife. It should have been God. So then... The inevitable happened, and I got served my divorce papers and started that fun journey. And um, over the next two years of the divorce process, continued coming to church. I actually got involved with the men's group that meets Wednesday mornings. And being 37, I was the youngest guy there. <laughs> I bested them all by at least 15 years. But it was great meeting with those guys and being a part of, of that group and and witnessing their, their uh, experiences, their knowledge, their, their love of God. And that really helped me get through the last two years. So finally this year, March of this year, the divorce finally finalized. Um, in the end, my faithfulness prevailed and I got my kids at least 50% of the time now, which is great. And uh, you know, I still have to come out of my shell, so I, I ran to Mike Jungman again, who then introduced me to uh, a life group. So stepping out of my comfort zone again, getting into a life group and meeting the Rosettis. So first Mike Jungman, then Mike Cloud, now Mike Rosetti. So my uh, <laughs> my trimacta, I guess, yeah. if you would say. It's a theme. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, and it's been great being uncomfortable, meeting other strangers and, and getting more intimate with them. And uh, since my divorce finally finalized, everything's settled. 
and all that, this Christmas actually would have been the first Christmas that I would have been completely alone. <laughs> but thankfully, uh, Karina in our life group, she heard that, and without hesitation, she said, you're, you're coming with us. You're going to spend Christmas lunch with us. And she didn't even check with Dan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 She's your better half. You know? She is, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, I didn't spend Christmas alone because that was never the plan, never to be alone, never to embrace that bubble that I built around my wife originally and then she left and then embraced the bubble of loneliness because in that bubble of loneliness, no one could disappoint you if no one's there. But that's not the way to lead life. And uh, to further that point, in the life group, I met a wonderful woman who also went through the pains of divorce, and she, she then taught me that I should get out there more. I should get out there, enjoy being Christian, enjoy life. So yesterday I did something that I never would have done before, just because my wife would have never have done it. I uh, helped build um, one of the Rose Parade floats with a whole bunch of different strangers. <laughs> and the best thing is that I ended up sharing my faith with some of them and wow. sharing them about this church and how it's affected me. And it came completely naturally, even though it's something I never would have done before. So I just want to thank everybody here. Thank you for tithing and your finances, tithing in your resources, tithing in your time, tithing out of love. Because even though my story is unique to me, I know there's lots of people in this church that have similar stories. So thank you. Hey, come on off. We got time for you. We got time for you. One more. You were hoping I was gonna say no? I was, no? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sit. That's all right. <laughs> Good morning. I'm Carolyn. Um, I prefer my life to be private, so the fact that I'm sitting up here is a miracle in itself. You can thank God. Thanks a lot. Um, almost exactly two years ago, I escaped a very abusive marriage. Um, it was a one-day move out of my home, and I didn't know who to call, so I was told call the LBF men's group, and that's what I did. And I had a group of six, seven, I don't even remember, it's a blur. Um, but a lot of guys showed up at my house, and we packed up my home, we had trucks, we had boxes, and they got me out of there in one day. And one day isn't like, oh, here's a couple of really good hours. No, it was like till 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And these guys stayed, and they committed, and they got me out of there, and they got me and my kids in a safe place. Um, and through the rest of that year, um, LBF had continued to support me. They um, helped me find a safe place to live um, through one of the ministries that y'all support, Pacific Lifeline. Um, my children and I got free counseling um, because this was a really traumatic thing. I have four young kids and they all had um, different things that they were struggling with. Um, 
And to this day, we continue to be at Pacific Lifeline regularly getting counseling for the things that they're dealing with. Um, so thank you for supporting that ministry. Um, I, am, I have such times of faithlessness that I actually have to tattoo it on my arm to remember. So if you can see, it says, thus far the Lord has helped me. And I heard this in a Bible study that I did with some beautiful women here on Thursday morning, um, a Beth Moore Bible study. We love her to pieces. And she was talking about when the Israelites went back to the riverbed with their stones, in remembrance of how God saved them. And they claimed thus far, the Lord has helped me. And so I have to continually remember that in the moments when I'm laying in my room weeping because I can't send my kids to camp and it's not regular for them or crying because I can't buy them Christmas gifts. Um, which, by the way, both of those things happen by the grace of God because he provided um, in his, you know, unique little ways that he does. Um, we were adopted by a life group here last Christmas, and I told my kids, I said, look, I'm not buying any Christmas gifts. I'm so sorry. This is what it is. But I will tell you what, if God wants you to have gifts, he will make sure you have them. And three days later, they were on my porch. Um <laughs> And like, I forget so fast what God does. And it's, I hate it. I get so frustrated with myself because it's like that faithlessness is going to show to my kids. And when I tell them, if God wants to do it, he will do it. And he does it. That amount of faith that builds in them is huge, but it takes help. I couldn't do it by myself. And so I just wanted to come up here and let you all know, you know, there are so many people in this room that look normal. They look like they've got it all together. They look like things are great, and it's not. And the love and the care and the energy and the effort and the money and the time and all the things that you give to this church really make a difference. Because if the church hadn't helped me, I could be homeless. My kids would be emotional messes. I could still be in that house with that abusive husband. There's so many things that your time and your money help in this church. And so I just want to say thank you. As Clint said, thank you for the ways that you give in the multitudes of ways that you have helped my kids and my family recover, that we've been able to um, heal and um, so that's it. I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more? You got time for one more? Let's go for it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love throwing Dan off. He's always got everything together. <laughs> I guess I'll sit too. Uh, like Carolyn, I, I've been here my whole life and I, I love this church. And I just wanted to do something that they're not expecting, which is Take a second, and whatever you're in, whether you're in one of these stories we hear where the storm is still going. Some of you brought the storm into 18 and it's coming with you to 19. I won't make you raise your hands. Some of you have seen miracles. Um, and I think the, the verse that stuck out to me, we had a, some stuff happen a couple of years ago that we're still sort of in the middle of, um, was Psalm 23, where it talks about, you know, I'm with you in the valley of the shadow of death. And the second part that's not there, and then you're out of the valley. Um, you don't always come out of that valley. Sometimes mm -hmm. you never come out of that valley. Relationships, uh, ailments, whatever it is. And so just for me, take a look at Psalm 23 if you haven't again, if you're in the middle of something, and just realize he's with you there. But one of the ways I think he's with us is with the people that work at this church. There's a lot of good volunteers, but I brought my, my program up just so I wouldn't forget anybody. But 
Mike Cloud. Anybody ever had Mike Cloud pray with them? <laughs> I was in a parking lot with Mike Cloud one day, and Mike's like, I got to go, because somebody 20 feet away was crying, somebody he didn't know. And that's Mike, and he's all hurt. Um, and we could never afford to pay Mike what he's really worth to do this. Uh, he's a guy that, that does this for way less than he should. Um, Jeff Taylor, my gosh, how many of your kids are in Jeff Taylor's group? There is, I promise you, no better youth pastor anywhere, and I mean anywhere. More of a talented guy you could not find, and just a huge blessing to my family, and um, just a, like one of the backbones of this church. Um, Andy Watson leads us in worship every week. We love Andy. I don't know Marnie, and I don't know Troy that well, but they seem awesome. Are they pretty awesome? <laughs> like... Troy's just like a pastor. I always feel nervous around Troy. He's just like a pastor, but... I know them both, and they are awesome. Are they awesome? Okay. They are. Um, Gary Keith, man, what would we do without Gary Keith? What would we do without Gary Keith? An amazing human, um, and really just, you know, one of the the steady, you know, masks in, in every storm we've ever been in, and just held this church together. If you don't ever... Tell Gary, thank you. Go give him a big hug this morning. In fact, everybody go hug him and don't tell him I, t- I said to do it, okay? <laughs> Just hug him. Make a line, so. And then, uh, last but not least, this guy right here. Um, you know, I'm biased. I like Dan, but, you know, a guy that can sit up here every week. You ever notice he doesn't look at his notes when he's preaching? Pretty amazing, gifted, amazing human that came here to teach us and who does that. And every time someone says, you know, tell me about your church, I get to say, we got all these people, but try out the teaching. It's pretty incredible. But the reason I do this, not just to plug them or so I can sit further up in the pews, but um, (laughs) when you're in the valley, when you're in the storm, whatever it is, there are people here that God brought us. And there's, I'm going to plug our church, guys. There's a lot of churches, but there are people here that love you. They're sinful, broken people, I promise, but who love you with humility and will walk with you through anything. And if you're not leaning on them, like the guy who was up here, my gosh, that was amazing. Um, do that. But I just want to have a huge round of applause for our awesome staff before I go. That's it. Thanks. And I won't tell Phil that you didn't mention him. (laughs) It's his closest friend on staff. Uh. Anyway, I, I just want to say thank you. I mean, both, both to those of you who shared and, and to all of you for participating in this. Um, you know, when, we, when we felt like God was calling us to do this, we just knew we don't know what's going to happen, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. We believe that the Holy Spirit is at work bringing hope from, from one another to one another and to speak those words. So thank you for those of you who got up to speak those words. And one of the things that I, that I said in first service is, you know, when we do this, one of the great things that we that we, we don't know what the theme is going to be. We don't know what theme God is going to bring through. But, but I want to just close our time with the word of benediction. And I didn't choose the passages in advance because I wanted to wait and see what God was doing. But just one of the themes I think came through in this time was the theme that there are going to be times of deep uncertainty and anxiety. And we get to walk with God through that. He's been faithful and he's going to be faithful. So I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and stand And I'm going to read some words out of Matthew chapter 6, words of our Lord Jesus about the hope that we can have 
and the way that we can walk with him through those uncertain times. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. 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 Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday and have a happy new year.